0: how can we yes check the box to be compliant with the regulatory requirement or the insurance requirement or whatnot but also how can we take that you know a little bit of a step further and actually make make the environment more hardened make it more secure technology is transforming how we think
1: how we lead and how we win from intervision This is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to the first episode of Status Go in 2023. This episode also marks the beginning of our fifth year as a podcast. 190 plus episodes, tens of thousands of downloads. Truly, we are excited to kick off the new year. As our listeners know, one of our traditions on Status Go has been to do a predictions episode in which we interview some of the experts from Intervision to get their thoughts on the year ahead. This year is no exception. Today, we are joined by John Gray, CTO, Alan Jenkins, CISO, Brent Lazarenko, SVP of Innovation and Platform Modernization, and Kevin Van Monfrans, Vice President of Products. John will focus on trends in digital transformation, Alan on cybersecurity, Brent on applications, innovation, and digital engineering, and Kevin on trends in securing the edge. Gentlemen, welcome to Status Go.
2: Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks,
3: Jeff. Great to be here.
1: Before we look at 2023, let's take a look back at 2022. What surprised you? Maybe it was a trend that didn't pan out. Maybe it was something unexpected that wasn't even on the radar a year ago. But what surprised you about 2022? Hey, KVM, let's start with you. I think in 2022, um, I thought we'd hit our peak with
4: things like ransomware. and um, the, 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 the continued attacks, the continued interest in protecting uh, yourself against ransomware is absolutely something that surprised me. It continues to grow and it's putting everybody at the edge at
1: risk. Brent, how about you?
3: Yeah, from the innovation side of the house uh, and the application and data side, you know, the, I think the biggest surprise for everybody was the uh, crazy swings that we see in Web3 adoption and then unadoption. Uh, and then the rethinking of what Web3 means, uh, and in particular, how the blockchain technologies may apply to the future, uh, in particular data structures and application development. Um, that was probably one of the biggest shocks to me was um, how that, that really went through a whole bunch of few cycles in one year.
1: Yeah, it, does, it did seem like it was really ping-ponging.
3: Alan, how about you?
0: Yeah, so uh, one of the things I think surprised a lot of people uh, was actually that there was a dip in ransomware attacks uh, early in the year, and I think that the, the thing that we couldn't see coming was all of the issues that are happening over in, in Ukraine, and so a lot of the uh, a lot of the bad guys, specifically some of the folks from like the R-Evil and the Conti groups, which are, are some of the the most prevalent uh, ransomware developers and, and, and groups, uh, their workforces got diverted in other ways because of things that were happening around the globe. Uh, So we saw a dip initially uh, in ransomware, which was a good thing, but it wasn't expected. Unfortunately, we're seeing all that change and we're seeing those numbers go back up now. So, you know, we're really hoping that people don't get a false sense of security based on that happening.
1: Yeah. I, I know. I talked to a lot of CIOs back in the early days of the, Uh, russian ukraine uh uh, war and they were concerned about a spike at that time so i think it caught a lot of people off guard uh but yeah it's unfortunate that it's bouncing back up again john what are you what are you seeing in 2022 that surprised you
2: um well I'll, i'll keep the security vein going here something that i've been looking at for probably close to a decade and expecting is um really the sort of mainstreaming of cyber insurance, right, that um, that insurance companies is, we're going to start to really require full-on cyber insurance. And we're now starting to see that big time. Um, Alan has visibility into this with some of the mm-hmm. you know, carriers he works with. But if you look at some of the policies they're now drafting, they look like the NIST security <laughs> framework. I mean, yeah. and they're requiring very specific technologies in some cases that They've completely over rotated, um, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a real burden on companies here for a while is that kind of kind of yeah. norms somewhat. But yeah, that that truly accelerated this year, I think. So um, yeah, it caught me because it had been very slow coming. Been yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I
1: know uh, Alan KVM and I were at an event in uh, St. Louis last week, and that was one of the things that came up uh, from the audience uh, there was about the cyber insurance and, and the change in stat, uh, stance that many of the insurance companies yeah. have. You, you
2: well, can't let's, let's,
1: let's pivot now to 2023. And John, the, the talk for, for several years has been on digital transformation, but what what should the CIO or the IT leader really be focused on for twenty twenty three related to digital transformation?
2: I mean, I, I think I think it's more evolutionary at this point than revolutionary. I think you know COVID's helped sort of push everybody into a more digital world. And I mean for for digital transformation really to take hold, you've got to have um, policies in place if you know in, in certain organizations right that allow processes and things to be fully digital um you got to have the processes you've got to have people you've got to have technology we've certainly got the technology now and i think there's increasing acceptance of processes being entirely digital i mean i bought i leased a new truck for my son and all the paperwork with sign and the you know, the guy at the dealership, this old school dealership gave me a thumb drive. Like, come on, where's, you know, 40 pages of paperwork? Nice, it's all on YouTube. So I think there's, on you know, increasing acceptance of digital, truly digital technology, which I think is going to, it's really going to unlock the ability for organizations to kind of come back around and not, you know, um, repay the cow path by automating uh, clunky yeah. manual processes and this is really I think probably what Brighton's going to talk about more is app modernization is breaking up the siloed monolithic applications into microservices and serverless and then really a, you know approaching business processes differently you know yeah. Yeah. we're no longer working the eight-hour workday you know well why do we have to get paid every two weeks I mean you're working every day you are working everyday you know, could you have money going into your bank every day, right? You know, some of these now, things. That's that an interesting concept. Given, you know, I, I think some of the longstanding processes in, in business um, supply chain, you know, the sort of where you, you you take credit from your suppliers and all of that sort of thing are truly going to start to become a lot more fluid uh, and it's going to open up completely different models, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I love the imagery about paving over the cow path, that, that, uh, that's great imagery. Hey, KVM, while we're, while we're kind of on this topic of, uh, of digital transformation, I know your focus uh, for the last several months and then on into 2023 has been about securing the edge. What things are we going to see uh, related to securing the edge as we move forward uh, next year?
4: Yeah. Um, now I look at the edges, you know, the workers themselves, but also the office spaces and how we're using them. And I think in what we saw in 2022 was, you know, kind of a, a lot of different things. We have companies asking employees to go back to work like Twitter with mandates. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing other companies that are downsizing their space, repurposing their space, and then turning them into kind of a completely different employee experience. Regardless of what's happening in these spaces, and you need to take this into account. Um, what it is is it's changing the way that we secure the worker, and we also have to be very conscious with that worker experience. We can throw a lot of security at a worker, but we can also change their user experience. You know how they interact with their applications, how they get access to data. You know what what it takes to you know kind of navigate their company's landscape, and so. I think as we kind of look into 2023, we definitely saw the pandemic push people out out of the office and people had to respond. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those short-term responses were going back to the well on existing uh, topologies, uh, existing technologies. Um, And it also forced the vendors to say, hey, this is a real thing and we need to do a better job in delivering how we package this up. So on the secure service edge, this is going to be a combination of how you embrace workers coming back into the office, whether it's just for collaboration, uh, or, you know, you know, today I'm going into the office for a holiday lunch and I'm going to probably spend four or five hours there, but I need to be productive in those four or five hours. And then I'm going to come back to my home and finish my work. Mm -hmm. It, It includes going to the office and securing them, but also how, how do you have a seamless experience when I'm outside of the office? And so, you know, in 2023, I think this is the year that you need to get a plan around uh, the visibility of these hybrid workers. You need to have a plan around uh, further securing that environment because this is the entry point for things like ransomware. It's the entry point for mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different areas. And the vendors themselves have made this so much more accessible, so much more manageable. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of time to look at it. One more fact I'll throw out there. The vendors are also trying to take existing tools and add capabilities to them. And so I would also urge our, our uh, listeners to think about, maybe I have some new technologies in the suite that I have, that I have not yet unlocked. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you need to take a look at that and and determine whether you have some capabilities, do you need to acquire some capabilities? Uh, but you know, it's time to relook at the edge again, mm-hmm. because the, the market has really unlocked some capabilities to have much more visibility and better security, and an improved user experience.
1: Yeah, I, I think the that remote work really opened eyes to uh, where is the edge and and how do you secure that. And I, w- I want to come back to that uh, here in a in a minute, KVM, but. Brent, I wanna to jump to you. You focus on a pretty wide area when you consider applications, innovation, digital engineering. What are some things that our listeners need to be paying attention to in 2023 from that focus?
3: Yeah, thanks. I think, you know, John Gray hit on it. Digital transformation is, is getting more mature. Uh, and with that maturation in the cloud, people are wondering how do I optimize my cloud and how do I better use effectively all the services in it? And so this move from lift and shift to what is happening now, which is repurpose and refactor will dominate. I don't think just 2023, but probably the years to come. And so that lift and shift enables uh, futuristic, what we'll call enterprise architectures of data and and platform that bring these monolithic applications, which enable um, better business outcomes, outcomes around... The ability to create super apps where applications can get created um, and have single entry points for clients, customers, data, employees, um, the concept of portals, but it disseminates down and these microservices enable that. Um, It's going to be enabling what platform adoption, so the concepts of making it easier for your employees to code by giving them common tool sets in these platforms by giving them common data sets to use and making it almost drag and drop to the point where I see in 2023, potentially, it's already starting to happen, adaptive coding, meaning AI will start taking the degrees of the code and doing a lot of this code generation for uh, companies uh, with a little bit of oversight from human intervention. And so this is kind of some of the innovative thinking that's happening within the platform modernization space. I think that in combination on the data side, obviously data analytics and predictive AI is also maturing. It's moving from concepts of being reactive where clients just gather data and look at it to them being reactive. And in some cases being proactive, meaning that they're using their their data and they're generating outcomes um, before they're seeing outcomes happen to them. And so that paradigm shift and that maturation, I think, is accelerating in 2023. Um, I think those are some of the three big ones I see happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that concept
1: of adaptive coding and, and brings to mind um, shadow IT in some ways. And uh, would love to come back to that here, here in a second, but I want I wanted to jump over to Alan. And uh, Alan, we, we started off this show by talking a lot about ransomware and cybersecurity, what are, what are some of the trends that you think uh, our listeners need to be aware of in 2023?
0: Well, I think we just heard one of the new attack vectors is we're going to have car dealers giving USB sticks to people. <laughs> uh, John, I'm a little concerned about that, but uh, we can talk about that offline maybe. Uh, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of this has been said, you know, uh, but we're seeing... Uh, because of so many bad things happening, and because of the costs and the impacts of those things, uh, you know, we're really seeing more and more emphasis on things from uh, the the governance or the oversight uh, point of view. And I don't think that's going to slow down. And that's coming both from uh, government entities. I mean, uh, you know, one of the biggies now is the the New York Department of Financial Services has a, a set of cyber requirements that are probably going to leak out into a lot of other states and, and federal mm-hmm. mandates. Uh, and also, I think somebody already mentioned it here, is insurance requirements. Uh, you know, some people look at these things like they're bad, and they certainly can be onerous. Uh, but the intent of all these things is really to help build a better defensive strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think it's really critical for, for organizations to understand that and to look at that through the right lens. And so, you know, one of the things that we try to do uh, when we look at these sorts of things is is look at well, how can we yes, check the box to be compliant with the regulatory requirement or the insurance requirement or whatnot, but also how can we take that, you know, a little bit of a step further and mm-hmm. actually make make the environment more hardened, make it more secure. Uh, so I you know, I think that the big thing that i see is is this isn't going to slow down meaning the threat actors they're you know, they're making a good amount of money so there's no incentive for them to stop uh and so the the oversight has to go along with it uh and that's not going to slow down either so really you know adjusting to that and adopting those things but using them for good i think is going to be really important
1: yeah. yeah i think i think there was a report that was referenced last week at that event i referenced uh that uh, someone can make five, $600,000 a year uh, <laughs> by launching ransomware attacks. Uh, that's a pretty good living uh, in yep. any economy. Uh, well, KVM, I wanna jump back to you because the other thing that I know that, that you and I've talked uh, some about is the concept of, of zero trust architecture. How does that fit into the work that you're doing on securing the edge?
4: Yeah. So it's, it's right in line with securing the edge. Um, a lot of people do know this, but you know, the idea is, you know, um, you don't have, you don't have trust until you establish it. Right. Um, and maybe that's not exactly how Gartner would explain it. Um, but it, it, it fits perfectly in. So rather than, and let me use an analogy, rather than getting the key to the building and then having free access throughout the building, uh, zero Trust is now saying you have access to these rooms. This room may be your you know the, where you do work. This room is where you do something else. you know think about it as applications. And so it, it's much more granular uh, in that, but it also uh, can be a lot more seamless uh, in the way that you get to it. So you know zero trust is absolutely uh, a core concept. Um, it'll, it takes a little bit of a different thinking versus VPNs,
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, but absolutely uh, going to be the way of the future. And it, and it creates that experience that I'm not worried about the location that I'm going to. I'm worried about the application that I'm getting access to. So the experience, whether that application's in your data center uh, or out there in the cloud, it'll be a, it'll be a common experience.
1: And, and the, the, that goes all the way through to the data that I'm accessing when I'm in or out of the office uh, as well, right? That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. John, I want to come back to you on, on digital transformation and talk about the, the importance for businesses uh, to look at digital transformation. I, again, I love the analogy used about uh, paving the same old cow path. Uh, what you're really saying is it's a mindset change, right? To to really do digital transformation well, how do you guide uh, customers or or prospects into understanding this mindset shift that you have to have for transformation?
2: Yeah, I think you know the way I look at it is if you if you look at what the objectives a, tr- a business is trying to achieve around obviously profit and growing affiliation with their um, customers, whoever they are. And then if you look at the customers and what are they trying to do when they interact with the business, you know they, they want it to be very streamlined. They want to be able to do it in the middle of the night. And, you know, those sort of things. I mean, you, you sort of think of banking as one of the original, online banking as one of the original sort of uh, areas where things change dramatically. Yeah, there are real win-win scenarios there, right, for organizations where you can completely virtualize a process that previously somebody had to you know, come into a bank or, you know, call up and you had to have somebody answer the phone and enter data. You no longer have to do that. People go online and do it themselves. They're happy to do it. They're doing it in the middle of the night. Therefore, your customers is happier and you've completely eliminated a manual process, right, so there are places where businesses can kind of reshape themselves to their benefit right um, and bring that cost point down and get ahead of their competitors because they're using um, streamlined processes they're using technology and you know um, Brent hit on this if you can really break up the applications because quite often The large monolithic applications don't lend themselves to that sort of, you know, one at a time processing, a lot of older style processing was batch, you did it overnight, particularly financial, you know, you you sort of heard, you know, a million records through a process at a time, right, breaking that down so you can do them one at a time, any time of the day, you know, that's a radically different architecture from an application standpoint, but that's what's happening. And if you can do that, now you can compose business processes that completely fit with what your clients want, who are increasingly millennials and, you know, people who, they, you know, they, they think about things entirely differently um, and are much more open to, you know, doing things online, not having paperwork, you know, all this. and uh, So I think... If you sort of step back and you look at what you're trying to achieve as a business, what your customers want, there's sort of low-hanging fruit in certain areas that are going to be a win-win, right? And then put your money there and you get adoption, you get increased affiliation, right, with your customer base. And then, you know, that funds additional things. If you keep reinvesting, not just treat it as, if you don't just treat technology and apps as a project, you know. We got to do this for a year, and then it's over. It's an ongoing, investment, right? Technology is an ongoing investment for companies, uh, and that—that's a different mindset, right? It's—it it should be enabling to your organization, not constraining, right? So, and therefore, you need to continue to feed it.
1: Alan, that—that that brings to mind a topic that you and I have talked about before. And I wanted to uh, maybe put you on the spot a little bit here. We, we've talked about. Uh, continuous pen testing, right? That's that's uh, uh, an innovation that's come to cybersecurity of recent years uh, in, that, in that sliver of cybersecurity of pen testing. But as John is talking about digital transformation in this continuous cycle, what other things in cybersecurity might lend itself to this continuous process of making sure that you're you're not just checking the box but you're you're secure what are your thoughts there
0: yeah yeah so i think uh, that's a really good question and i think one of the the things that you mentioned it earlier uh, kevin talked a little bit about it is this zero trust concept uh, i think that's that continues to be an important concept it's not new or cool but uh, it really, over the, the you know last handful of years, it's a topic that a lot of people have talked about. Not a lot of people have really understood it, and certainly not a lot of people have deployed it because it's different. Uh, but the concept is really around saying that I'm going to put some conditions in place and that, that as the conditions change, then I may or may not get access to things. So I think that falls neatly in line with this evolving landscape of technology. So as how we access where the data is and where I am and, you know, the conditions and even getting down to things like, you know, time of day or geolocation, those sorts of conditions we can put into place. And so I think that becomes important. I think it may require scraping off. You know the the title zero trust and just using the concepts from zero trust to implement uh you know security technologies and security concepts that move with the data and with the users and with the devices i think that's uh, that's where we're heading uh, at some stage and i think it'll be you know really interesting to see and we're seeing people start to do that now where we've seen people talk about it myself included i mean i've given mm-hmm. zero trust talks for years but I haven't worked with many people who have actually deployed zero trust. I think we're on the cusp of that happening. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, I think 23 is going to be a fascinating year to, to, to watch that Brent. I want to come back to something that that you mentioned because it really, it it struck, uh, it struck me as really interesting because I'm a former coder. I, I grew up coding and, you know, I've never met a coder that that thinks anybody else can code as, as well as they can. Right? I'm, I'm the best, right? You got to kind of have that swagger. So this, this concept of, of the adaptive coding, AI doing the coding, can they code as
3: good as you? I would say right now it's in its genesis. Um, you know, industry leaders like Microsoft, um, the people who own the open source languages that are developing this would say yes, I would say no. <laughs> a degree of provability ground to go. Um, but it's definitely going to hit. It's definitely going to be the way of the future, right? I think what is going to be realized, and I touched on this in 2023 is um, platform utilization, giving the coders, the data people, the tool sets, which are common across all of the enterprise, which standardize data, security, compliance, code check-in ability, code health. Um, and it gives them the ability to code shadow, if you will, with mm-hmm. a degree of trust. And so I know Alan will love that KVM will love that term. And so, yeah, it's coming. It's not there yet, but there's components of it that are in play right now. I,
1: I think that's, that's interesting. I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, as a, as an author, the, uh, the, the AI engines that can generate blog posts or. Uh, even fuller-length manuscripts and uh, hadn't really thought about the coding side of that. But if, yeah. if, if, uh, if the engine can learn to do prose, I'm sure it can learn to do code as
3: well. Yeah, I'll give a scenario. I'd love to hear how uh, Alan feels about this in KVM. So companies in 2023, and they started in 2022, started taking their enterprise data sets and they started to monetize them by industry saying we're we have a whole bunch of data about cars and car sales and we're going to go put that up on the internet from public consumption and we're going to charge a fee for you to access this data and so permissioning that, accessing that, giving insights into that um, is definitely a growing trend and what people are doing is they're creating these groups of these data sets and they the, the concept is then becomes an oracle So there's an Oracle out there where you go for the feed for all car data in the world. And then you start layering on the predictive analytics around that. And then you start getting crazy insights into that industry going forward. But it also makes people like KVM and Alan crazy because it's all these attack factors on all their data sets. And now all the data sets across the industry are now known. So the schemas are known. Uh, And so it's an interesting concept for them.
4: Well, I think yep. I think it's always a balance of risk and reward. and um, I, I, I am uh, very focused on security these days, but I'm also a marketer at heart. <laughs> and I think that the risk is kind of interesting. the risk the risk may be worth bearing to be able to harvest that kind of data. But yeah, absolutely there is a, there is a risk with having that data out there.
0: Yeah, I'll be the, the the curmudgeon that you guys know I'm going to be. <laughs> right? so, no, you can't have that data. No, I get it. I mean, I, I get the use cases. I think a lot of that comes down to you know what we see with a lot of other you know, database types of, of solutions is as we make that public, we've got to be very careful about what data is there and how accessible that data is. Yeah. Uh, that's the big thing that I care about in there. And so I, I think it's, it's super
2: uh, that we're moving that direction. I just think we have to be cautious as we do. Uh, I, to say, you know, app to here, I think healthcare is the ultimate sort of prover of that, right? If you put all the data together and p- apply AI to it, I mean, the cure for cancer literally probably is there, but you're sharing a private, you know, yeah. healthcare data. So you got your two enormous competing, mutually exclusive objectives pretty much there to KVM's point. I mean, so yeah. you security yep. and ease of access typically fight each other right
1: <laughs> well and, it, and it's that it's that conflict between the two uh that that creates that good creative tension right if you've got that uh and you're thinking about those things as you're putting it out there you're thinking about the security at the same time you know
2: that's well, guys
1: we we are at we are at time i knew this conversation would flow really quickly and you all know, because you're avid listeners of Status Go, that we're all about action here. We we love to leave our listeners with a a call to action. So I'm going to ask each one of you, what are one or two things our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to our predictions today? So uh, Brent, I'm going to tag you first, man.
3: Yeah, if you did nothing else for your corporation today, I'd say is accelerate your data platform modernization. Um, It is in the past few years been what has made people successful and it is morphing to become the ultimate differentiator in the marketplace, both from how you make decisions to validate decisions, um, to your security posture, to how you basically are going to do your business processes. Excellent. Thanks for that. KVM, how about you?
4: Yeah. Um, Hey, I'm going to stay on the secure service edge theme here, but I'm going to take a little bit of a twist. I think a lot of times we overlook the user experience, the employee experience. And so I would say, look, there's a lot of cool new technology uh, with the secure service edge, but I would really sit down and evaluate, um, what kind of user experience are you trying to create access to data, uh, seamlessness of that engagement, your visibility to it. And, um, I take a look at that because at the end of the day, uh, we want to secure our data, uh, but we also want to make sure our workers are highly productive. And I think when you look at that, you'll find, you'll find some hidden treasures in this new technology. I think that you'll find not only are we delighting the IT folks, but we also may be delighting the, uh, the employees themselves.
1: And, and that's really the one of the ultimate goals, right? So, John, how about you? What's, uh, what's one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation
3: today? It's the first time I've heard John uh, n- not speak.
2: Okay, sorry, guys, I hadn't made it on. <laughs> um, I would encourage people to um, step back and look at the top handful of objectives they have as an organization, and look at what their employees and what their customers also, you know, what their primary needs are, and look for ways to do things like unlock the data, like Brent is talking about, so that you know how those sort of those things overlap, and then move forward, and you know, and move because your competitors are going to be moving. I think next year is yeah you know, going to be a big year.
1: And Alan, bring us home, man, what's uh, what's an action or two our listeners should go do tomorrow?
0: Well, you know if, if and I know you've heard this, Jeff, but yeah, it's gonna sound a little bit like a broken record for anybody who's heard me speak in the last year or two, but uh, cybersecurity is really about reducing risks to the business. And so the first thing that I think people need to do, and we see this get overlooked all the time, is they really need to focus on understanding where their data is and how it moves around uh, and understanding that before they start trying to put up protection strategies and defensive strategies. Uh, That's step one uh, in any good cyber program and uh, that's the first thing that you you find when you go to to industry-leading frameworks like the Center for Internet Security or NIST Cybersecurity Framework or whatnot it gets skipped all the time and i would love to see people take the time on the front end to really look at that and i think that flows into all the other things that we talked about too yeah. this is really about data and and where and where it is and how it moves around and that's really what's important
1: well and i think i think those actions from from all four of you are a great way for our listeners to start the year um, and uh, as we're airing this in in January of, of 2023, I think those are reminders to to keep in front of ourselves all year long next year. Guys, I want to thank you for carving out the time. I really appreciate it. I know it's uh, it's early for those of you on the West Coast and appreciate appreciate that and thank you so much for for joining us today. Thank, thank you Jeff
2: great being here.
1: To our listeners, if you want to learn more, be sure to visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information, uh, and the website has a lot of information about the activity that InterVision is taking in this space that we've talked about today. This is Jeff Tunn for Brent, KVM, John, and Alan. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.